Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Decode Your Burnout with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I am so excited to be here with a good friend of mine and colleague, Linda Walker. Linda, uh, just excited to have you here. I know that uh, we've been talking about doing this for a while. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And uh, Linda and I met through a accountability group for our membership sites. Uh, So Linda, tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing in your line of work. So I'm an ADHD coach. I I coach, but I I do more training now than anything else, uh, training with group coaching for adults with ADHD who struggle with uh, productivity planning and those types of things. Yeah, and part of the reason I asked Linda to be on the show is specifically because she works, she really is an ADHD expert, probably one of the top people in this field. And I know that burnout is something that happens to everybody, but I thought it would be interesting to get your take on how it maybe affects people with ADHD a little bit differently. And obviously we want to get your story in as well. So why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about your personal story, your journey with burnout? Okay, so uh, I've actually had a few b- bouts of burnout because it took me a little while to uh, to figure out, I-, I think figure out what the, the issues were. But uh, started off years ago, I-, I was in an organization, I loved the company and so on. I had been, I was underemployed, I came into the company just trying to get my foot in. And after a couple of years, I got promoted to a project manager of a massive enterprise-wide project. And I was doing that, but not necessarily believing that I could do it because I had no training in that area. Um, I have a tendency to be very uh, demanding of myself. I'm, some people would call me a type A personality, (laughs) but um, I, I wanted to prove to myself and to others that I could do it, especially having come from, um, I wouldn't say lowly begin- beginnings. I was a, an executive assistant to the president bef- before I became a project manager for this, uh, this massive system. And we were under source. We didn't have enough resources. Uh, plus, I was uh, really struggled with my belief in 
my ability to, to get it done. I was also struggling with disorganization. I, I found that I didn't give myself time to plan because there was just too much to do. You know, often that's often what we see with adults with ADHD. They don't plan because it takes too long to plan. They just want to do it. So it was kind of what happened with me. And I ended up working 12 hour days, coming home, um, unable to really be present with my family. I was so exhausted and I would still have work to bring home. I would work in the weekends and so on. And I ended up with um, two bouts of, um, I would say, um, uh, pneumonia. The second one was really serious. And I think, well, that was my, my pneumonia and burnout. You know, I think it was a, a combination of the two. My body was screaming at me and I just wasn't listening. So uh, I ended up several months unable to, to do much. My brain was just completely unable to, to pick up any information, any knowledge, any make any decisions. Uh, everything seemed so exhausting. And I, I, would, I would cry at, a, at nothing, you know, one little problem. And I would just close my door and cry in my office. <laughs> so it really wasn't, uh, it wasn't the most pleasant thing. And um, so I was lucky I had, uh, I, I, the other thing that happened was I went through five different bosses in the meantime. So even though my role was to implement the system, I also, because my bosses would come in and not understand any of what we were doing, I was also managing the politics around it. There's a huge amount of politics around this. So uh, it was it was too much for one person to do. And uh, my colleague, my uh, I had an IT colleague, I was on the business side of things. He also struggled a lot. He had a, a really rough time. And he didn't burn out like I did. But, uh, but both of us at some point had a conversation and both of us stopped and said, I didn't understand anything you just said. Sounds like Greek or Chinese to me. I don't understand. <laughs> and he told me the exact same thing. You know, it was, it was crazy. So, wow. okay. So this is interesting, right? You've mentioned a number of factors that were environmental stressors that contributed to your burnout. So you mentioned how there weren't enough job resources that you went through five different bosses that you were managing the politics and you're working 12-hour days plus taking work home. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, you also mentioned that there was something that you felt like you had to prove, which feels less so an environmental stressor and more something of your own personality that's coming into the mix. And this um, lack of self-efficacy where like, even though you're doing the work, you don't really believe in your ability. And so it always feels like you're in deficit yeah. and there's, and that's where that need to prove kind of comes in. And so what I'm kind of interested in is you mentioned that this colleague of yours didn't burn out, even though was it a, he, yep. She, yeah. So he was in the same boat as you were in terms of resources and politics and all these things. What do you think is the difference between like your experience and his and why maybe he didn't burn out? And you did. He, I, th I think a big part was the self-efficacy. Uh, he, like me, was uh, late at work. You know, we'd work till 10, 11 o'clock at night. So it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that, um, 
but I think the yeah, self-efficacy for sure. And I, and I don't, he's not a type A personality, not like me. The other thing is I felt a very, like, because the company had been so, had given me this opportunity, I, I wanted to make sure that they, they knew that I really, um, that I, you know, that I really wanted to do my best for them. You know, I really loved this company. I loved the people. And, uh, and so there was, there was that, that, uh, that played into it. Yeah. Just the desire to be of value is what I'm hearing. He also had one boss the whole time. So he has one person that he had that understood the project that understood the, and I was the one dealing with the politics, not him. Yeah. Can you give us an example or maybe like a little scenario when you say politics, just to give the listeners more of an understanding of maybe something that was going on at the time? Well, our system was to be uh, what was a, a, well, uh, what they call a CRM, customer relationship management system. And a big part of that was to, we were going to launch to the sales force. The sales force had already gone through three systems and never, they didn't want to use it. They hated it. It didn't serve them. It only say it served head office. So I had to negotiate with them to get them, you know, get their buy-in. So we did a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to get their buy-in, but also I had to fight with um, management to take them off the road so that they could get sufficient amount of training. Just that by itself, it was like every single time we had a sales meeting, I had to, I had to fight with them, give them, you know, I always asked for more than what I knew they could give me and, and really had to deal with some of the, um, you know, why, why do we want to take, because taking a sales rep and there were 80 of them, taking 80 sales rep off the road for, for three days of training is extremely expensive. And uh, of course, uh, management always balked at that. But uh, I had, you know, I had to remind them that the last systems didn't work very well because there wasn't enough training. People didn't have enough voice in the decision that we took. So uh, it was a very long process. And I can see how having to fight the system takes even more out of you. Yeah, absolutely. So here you are working these 12-hour days and you're working nights and weekends. And then on top of all this work, there's all this additional energy that you have to exert when you're dealing with these political situations at the office. Absolutely. And I'm not someone, I'm not comfortable with conflict. This is something that I, I've always struggled with. So it, it was draining. Is more than you know deploying that, that amount of energy towards the the politics of it was was really draining. And that's only a small smidgen of it because there's more to it, but I don't want to get into all sure, of it sure, too sure. much. <laughs> of course, there's always more, right? Um, but one of the things you mentioned early on was you were talking about ADHD and how people with ADHD don't like to plan. And part of the not planning may have contributed to the stress that you felt at work. So can you, can you share more a little bit about um, what you saw there? And if maybe if you had to go back and do it differently or for people who have ADHD and currently don't plan and as a result are burning out, maybe there's some words of wisdom that you might be able to share. 
Absolutely. Part of the problem is that planning for someone with ADHD is extremely difficult. It requires uh, prefrontal cortex work and, and um, ADHD affects the prefrontal cortex, the executive functions of the brain. So for them, it's quite challenging to, to, um, to plan. There's a belief that whilst often they plan and then they can't execute because they haven't really thought it through. They've only planned the to-do list instead of looking at projects. And so, so there's a certain amount of, first, you have to prioritize how many things you take on. Um, and, and that was, that's one of the challenges that they have. They love everything that's, you know, that they'll be, somebody will present them with something, say, Hey, I'm, I'm starting this project. Would you like, yes, you know, and they're already jumping into it, not really taking the time to see what's already on their plate. Um, and they need a system that works for them. That's more, that's, that looks at the big picture to help them prioritize by project rather than by task. Because a, a to-do list of an ADHD year could be two or 300 to-dos, you know, it's just, there's no, there's so much information that's missing in the to-do list, uh, how long it's going to take, what kind of res mental resources does it take, um, when's the best time to do it, who, you know, before what. So you're constantly prioritizing a bunch of tasks. So the ideal situation is to, to learn to prioritize or to learn to plan in a way that's specific to people with ADHD. Um, and, and you really can't just use any traditional time management system. You really have to look into uh, a system that works. That, that's why it's one of the reasons why I created, a, I created a whole program on this based on, you know, teach them how to plan in a way that's top, you know, top down, uh, how to prioritize and, and manage uh, tasks. And, and in doing that, there's fewer things that are forgotten. So they don't feel that, oh, you know, I plan and nothing happens because I'm constantly being interrupted by all these things that I forgot to plan. Mm. Right. Mm. So when you were going through your story, your experience at work, early on and you experienced this burnout, would you say that um, you learned everything that you now know about how to plan for somebody with ADHD? As, is, is this part of your own experience? It or? is. It is part of my own experience. But it, it, took me, uh, it took me another burnout before I got to that point. It, like it took another, another bout of exhaustion before I got to the point of realizing, okay, so I've dealt with a few other things. I've dealt with my belief around uh, being enough and being able and, and all of this. But I haven't yet dealt with the challenges that I have that I had in getting organized and planning properly. And, and if I had to redo it, my, you know, it would be so different. It would be so incredibly different because I took care of the first things I took care of was self-care, forcing appointments so that I could finish work on time at a reasonable time. In fact, I remember once being home for supper and, and realizing I have two kids and my youngest has learning disabilities and, uh, and, and the oldest is a brilliant kid who's, who's lacking any sort of, she didn't have anybody to constantly support her because we were, Dwayne was so, uh, was helping the youngest. And it, the youngest said, I, I, I said, wow, it's so nice to have the whole family here for once. And my youngest looked at me, she says, mom, you don't get it, eh? We're always here. 
together. You're just never here with us. And that just really, like, it really hit me hard. And I realized that it wasn't just me that was being affected by this. It was them. So um, started making changes. Self-care was a big, big one. But often that's what we do. We take after we have a burnout, we take vacation or we take a holiday and we come back. But if we haven't learned what caused the burnout in the first place, it, yes. it happens again. So so I, I, it took me a few, a few tries before I got to the point where I knew that, okay, I need to be better at planning. I need to learn to say no. Um, and, and to, um, yeah, to get organized in a way. And, and planning is an absolute necessity. You know, if I don't plan, I'm going to be running like a chicken with my head cut off and I'm going to feel exhausted and I'm going to continue. So. So you've learned in this process how to now plan things, prioritize things, get things done in a shorter amount of time so that you can spend more time on self-care and time with your family and, and avoid burnout, I presume, from yeah. continuing. Social life as well. Social life. Now my kids are gone. Uh, mm-hmm. My kids are adults. They've left a while ago. And, and of course, because they were gone, I filled the void with more work, not realizing that I was missing out on a whole bunch of other things. You know, I realized during the pandemic, um, the pandemic was really hard on people with ADHD. I had a huge influx of clients, uh, individual clients. I, I used to take individual clients. I don't anymore. But I was doing that and doing uh, group coaching with training. So uh, I, I just about burnt out there as well. And, and there it was there I had to learn to say no. You know, I had to, to, to put some limits and say, you know what, Linda, you cannot do more. And when I forced, what I had to force in was that social life was uh, time to do things that are creative, that are fun, not just work-related. And when I started filling my time with those things, it was easier for me not to fill them up with work. Cause I love my work. I love what I do. Right. Yeah. And I, I love what I do. That's a big thing that people don't realize is that you can actually burn out even when you love your work. Right. It's mm-hmm. not like, Oh, I only burn out because I don't like what I do, but it's too much of a good thing. Maybe. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then you're not in balance. So now, even though you're a doer, you've found other things to quote unquote do outside of work so that you have more of that balance. Like I know you do art. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yeah. what do you do outside of work? Just so like people listening to this could be like, I'm a doer too. Like what can I do if I'm not working and I want to have more of that balance and avoid burnout? Well, I know that if I just did art, I would probably not do it. So I started, I forced a class. So I, I'm actually enrolled in two classes this, uh, this time. It's, it's virtual. It's not, so, it's not as good, but it, it still forces me. When I'm, I'm the type of person, when I make a commitment, I, I keep it. So I show up. So I showed up this morning. It was actually a morning when I, I, I did a, a class. And um, it forces me to try something different. It really pulls me out of my comfort zone. The other thing I do is I, I, am, I joined a meetup and I'm, I have some friends now. So I'm involved in, um, I have a few friends that I, I, I make sure that I cultivate that social life and, and they're important to me. And I, I need to make sure that they are, that I did not have for the longest time. I was a hermit for 10 years and 
I found that that was a really big challenge because I hadn't been, I'm a very social person, but I hadn't been social in so long. I didn't know how to do it. Wow. And uh, luckily I was, I, I got involved in a meetup and got to meet a few people and, um, and, and realized that, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's worth getting to know. And I mean, I always find everybody's worth getting to know, but that I didn't, I didn't believe that because I thought I'm a hermit because nobody wants, no, it's not that it's I'm a hermit because I chose that. I, I decided that that was more important than anything else. Isn't so that I, fascinating, like how is. our brain kind of makes up that story. Absolutely. And, and it's like, you're, you know, you kind of see what your results are and then you kind of try to interpret why do I have these results? And you say, oh, it's because I'm lacking something as opposed to saying, because I'm not putting myself out there. Exactly. Exactly. But it takes so long to get to that point. Sometimes, you know, you almost need someone to, to notice that for you. And uh, I, I guess I didn't notice it for myself until my father passed away a few years ago. And I was at the funeral parlor and the number of people who came from my mother to see my mom and they were friends, close friends that she knew there, there were, you know, she must've had about 20 some odd friends that came to see her. I had one friend who showed up mm. and uh, that was surprising because we, we hadn't seen each other in six months, you know, but that that's it. And I realized just like, it looked like she, she was so, happy to have them there. And I was thinking if anything like that happened to me, I have nobody other than my husband and my kids. Yeah. Um, I have really nobody that I can, uh, not that you want friends to fall back on, but, but there's nobody that I can share even fun stuff with. So uh, I think that kind of woke me up and my husband who is not sociable has a lot of friends, you know? So it, it, you're kind of like, what's happening? Like, what is wrong with me? And I realized that I'm the one who's not putting myself out there. And when I did, I realized people like me, you know, yeah. when they get to know me, I'm, I'm a likable person. And uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So first it's like liking yourself and believing that you're likable and then putting yourself out there. So it sounds like the two main things that have been super helpful outside of self-care were to have a framework, some sort of structured activity mm-hmm. and that accountability of like, I know it's happening at this time, right? Yeah. And sometimes we need that, especially Absolutely. especially as entrepreneurs, right? Like we need that structure. I mean, if you know that about yourself, then going the route that you went where you know there's a, a class happening with a specific instructor, it's kind of like when we do our group coaching, right? Like people show up, they know this is when it's happening. And that's where you kind of can get your needs met at a specific time, making sure that you're actually getting them met. And then the other thing is socialization has been super important for you and for your progression. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, uh, you do need that balance, you know, sleep was really important. I had to make sure that I got enough of that exercise and all of this stuff but also having the balance of, of friendships and, and um, extracurricular. I, I knit as well. A lot of people, when I tell that to some of my friends, they laugh because they see me as an old granny knitting, but I like it. It's calming. It's really, yeah. really calming. Well, you know? I will say that it's, I think it's coming back, right? Because I have clients yeah. that are in their 20s and 30s who knit because it's a mindfulness exercise. It is. It's something that you can do anywhere, 
I actually was on a flight recently and the woman sitting next to me was knitting while she was watching a movie. Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of a cool thing. You could take it everywhere with you. And it, it kind of, it does. I, I don't knit, but um, I, I can just hear from my clients that it's very calming. It is. And, and I like projects that are a little bit challenging. So I'm constantly challenging myself as well. And it, it's fun. I enjoy that. So I'm a lifelong learner as well. So learning is a big part of, of what I do on a regular basis. So I'm, I'm constantly reading and, and, and learning more. So, so you, you know, we've covered a few different things. You've talked about this belief that was lacking at first and that that was more kind of the programming and uh, a lot of environmental stressors and factors that contributed to the burnout. And then obviously the personality is that you are this, type A doer kind of person. So even now, as you talk about getting outside of work, like there is that need to challenge yourself and lifelong learning and right. You have a lot of energy for life, which is fabulous. Um, I'm really curious when you think about that need to prove and that belief that you're not enough and that um, even though you can you're totally capable of doing the work that your belief kind of does is not caught up with you. What do you think led to that point where you even had that to begin with? Where did that come from? Um, I guess I, I hadn't, I don't think I went as far as I could have at school, for example, I could have done much better. And, and it just feels like um, I'm, I'm, I wasn't living up to my potential anywhere. And I still am not, I don't think you ever get to the point where you're completely, you know, but uh, I think that was a big part of it. Um, I was a bit of a, a nerd in school and people, um, you know, I wasn't really very popular. So that, that also uh, contributed. And this position was way beyond my comfort zone. It was way beyond my training. So I had to, um, that, that was a challenge as well. So I, I didn't think in my mind, you learn by, by, by going to school, right? It, that's, that's how I, I saw it uh, for a long time. And I realize now that you learn from doing more than anything else. Uh, in fact, that's what I teach my, my clients is, you know, you could learn everything intellectually until you've actually applied it. You're not going to know that you could do it. And, uh, it's, it's actually a really interesting point. And when we talk about programming, we usually talk about where did you get this belief that you currently hold? And it usually is from an experience that you had or like maybe something your parents believed that mm -hmm. they instilled in you. But it's so interesting, like from a cultural perspective, to think about how we are programmed by the culture to believe that you will learn what you need to know and to be successful through school. And so if you feel like you didn't accomplish that to the degree that you thought was necessary, that you are set up for failure, that you're not going to be capable of doing the work that you need to do, especially in a challenging setting like the one that you are in. And then what's interesting, right, is then you show up and you're fully capable, but there is that discrepancy between your programming and the reality of the situation. And so that discrepancy contributes to just feeling stressed because there's so much self-doubt that comes up. 
Absolutely. I think that was the worst. I think that was the most challenging part of the whole thing. And it took so long to, to realize that I, I could do it and I was doing it well. And in fact, when I left that position, I was still in the same company um, and um, went into sales. My colleague, my IT colleague said, we really miss you because mm. you, were, you really understood what we needed to do when you did a, a, an amazing job. And the person who's there right now, not so much. And so that kind of, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And we did have success. You know, we did uh, when, we, when we launched to the sales force who, that had hated the three systems that had been launched by my predecessors. Um, three different systems without really, they were launched without talking to them and so on. I, in, I involved them a lot. So there was a huge amount of buy-in. And when we did our, our you know, um, trying to find out what their level of satisfaction was, it was, you know, I think it was 86% were satisfied or very satisfied with the system and what, what it was bringing to them. So that, that kind of also, made me realize that, you know, we did okay. We, uh, and there, the buy-in was so massive. So uh, it wasn't just about launching a system. It was also about making sure that enough people, enough of the sales force had something to say about it. And, and almost everybody, you know, I would say uh, got involved in different parts of, you know, uh, of the, the process, preparing the RFP, preparing, uh, you know, looking at the different systems that were there, choosing the systems, helping us pilot and helping us teach their colleagues. So just about everyone got involved at some point or another. So there was a huge amount of buy-in in there. And that was me. That was something that I recognized. Now that I look back at it, I don't know how I recognize that, but I know that I'm the type of person that if you're going to try to impose something on me, I would love to have an input on, on what I need and what works for me. Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of what, uh, what we ended up doing. So in the end, I ended up, I feel much, you know, I feel like I've done a really great job, but it took a while before I got to that point. It's kind of like in hindsight, you can see it, but at the time you were doubting yourself and that added a lot of stress to your situation. Absolutely. So you've been through all of that. You've learned a ton of things about yourself. You are now teaching other people who have ADHD how to be successful in the world, how to be more productive. Um, so let's have you start off by sharing some tips that you might have for people listening who maybe do have ADHD or feeling really stressed out, maybe even burned out, um, that have helped you that maybe can also help them? Okay. So I, I always start with self-care because I, I know that uh, we cannot think without sleep. We cannot, we don't function very well. So sleep is really important and, and uh, exercise, having some downtime is incredibly important, which is something that we don't allow ourselves when we're behind on things. And then learning to, to, to plan in a way that um, recognizes that you have periods in your day when you're better focused than others. And so certain types of work could be done then. And recognizing as well that you need a, a, a different approach that's more, that looks at the big picture first and then trickles down to the task. Uh, so those are among the things. Um, don't rely on your memory to remember what you need to do and uh, use your calendar. So th th sounds kind of, you know, trite. Um, also, 
um, my husband has ADHD as well. And he, uh, like really bad. <laughs> and he, um, he's an artist. He, he, when I met him, I didn't know how, you know, how uh, creative he was. But, uh, and then one day, one of my daughters asked me to draw a frog and I like, it looked like, I don't know what, it didn't look like a frog. I said, go see your father. And I look at him and he's like, right off the bat, he, he creates something amazing. And I said, do you know, you have talent. He says, yeah, but I don't have time. There's, you know, I'll, I'll do some art when I get around to it. So I forced the class on him. I, that's what I bought him for Christmas as a, an art class. And he was not too pleased because we had, we were very low on money. We, and, and he didn't feel he had the time. He felt guilty about not pulling his weight, but it was the best thing he could have done for himself because when he started, when he forced that, he realized how much he enjoyed it. Mm. He, he realized, and that gave him the motivation to enroll, not to enroll, but to, to create a better balance in his life so he can incorporate more of that. Just before he, he retired, he was working 40 hours at mm -hmm. work, but um, doing 20 hours of art. Wow. You know, and he had, he had been exhibiting, he had been selling his art. And, wow. And so uh, 20 hours, that's pretty impressive for that's someone who works full time. time. For it somebody is. who didn't have time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, but finding that thing that motivates you to want to, to carve out more time, I think is really important. Beautiful. So Linda, if somebody is interested in getting in touch with you, where should they go? Oh my <laughs> That's the, the big question. So um, coachlindawalker.com, that's all together, uh, is one place you can go. Um, as I mentioned before, the majority, uh, the majority of my work is now uh, training programs that you can do online, or uh, if you need to have some support, we also have group coaching. And we launch a couple of times a year, we launch different programs. Uh, so coachlindawalker.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much thank for being you. here and sharing your story with us. And thank I'm you. sure that pe people listening to this uh, will be really happy to go and check out your website. I know you've got a lot of resources, including tons of blogs and things from all the years of research that you've done, as well as your own lived experience, yourself and your husband having ADHD. So again, thanks for sharing all of those amazing tips. It's my pleasure.